Welcome back to another episode of Then Then There Were Two. Um, I'm, here, I'm Kenny today here with Seraph, and we got a special guest in the building today. Um, coach Peter Early is uh, actually Seraph's coach. So we stopped by to answer a couple of questions for us and, you know, just kind of give us some insight. Uh, welcome, Coach Early. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Happy to be here, guys. Appreciate you giving us the time. Yes, yes. Uh, so, Coach, um, you know, you're over here, D2 head coach at Coker University. So I want you to tell us a little bit about your journey to Coker and your journey into coaching in general. How did you get into it? Yeah, definitely. Great question. Um, you know, obviously, I was a collegiate athlete myself. I played football and ran track in college at a division institution back in the Northeast. Um, and I didn't really want it to end like most athletes, I would imagine. You know, when, when my time was up, I wanted to stay involved in the sport. Um, and they quickly, you know, welcomed me on as, as I started as a volunteer assistant my first year out of college. Um, and then we had, we had a lot of success and kind of moved, moved on from there, um, kept building, won a couple national championships on the individual level, um, good amount of All-Americans. And, and the more time I put in, you know, the better the results got to be and the more I really felt this was kind of where I wanted to be. I was, I was working a full-time government job while I was coaching for the early years. Um, you know, I was doing pretty well financially, but I decided to give all that up because I love track and it is, uh, might not be the same salary wise yet, but someday, right? SK. <laughs> hopefully soon, hopefully yeah. soon. And, and then, you know, I, I got the opportunity to, to come down here and be a head coach. I'd been, you know, for the majority of my time and I really wanted to take it to the next level and Coker's blessed me with that opportunity and I'm ex extremely excited to be here it's great support um you know from the top down and a lot of talent down here in the south when it's compared to you know the northeast at least on the sprints and jump side so it, it was a really an opportunity I couldn't really turn down I guess let's put it that way I see I see so you say you were an assistant coach at um, Merrimack College Merrimack That's University correct. So, college, college, college. Yeah. So what is the differences between being an assistant coach at the collegiate level compared to being a head coach at the collegiate level? Yeah, there's a lot of difference, you know, and I, I probably took that for granted um, when I was in that assistant role. You know, very early on, um, we were hustling a lot because we were, we were a new team. Um, we were building a team. So I was doing a lot of heavily, heavy recruiting in, in the early years at Merrimack. And then when we started having a lot of success, I really just focused mostly on the, on the coaching aspect and, and let everyone else kind of handle everything else. And when you get down here at a place like Coker, um, there really isn't anyone else to handle everything else, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have, I've had some really good assistants, as you know, uh, SK, who, who have helped out a lot, but there's just a lot more responsibility, um, you know, wh whether it's complete control of the operating budget, travel planning, um, you know, I'm pretty much in the early part of, of being at Coker, I was handling all of recruiting because I, I really wanted to make sure we're bringing in the right kids yep. and, and not getting too many more SKs. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> kidding, kidding, of course. But there's just a lot more responsibility, a, a lot more meetings, a lot more you know compliance-wise that you kind of have to really pay attention to a lot of moving parts. You know, I got into this because I love being at practice. I love being at meets, as you know, mm -hmm. um, high energy. You know, that's my favorite part of it. But at at the head coach level, there's there's a lot more to it than just that. It, it is a real job, and and there's a lot more work that goes into being a head coach that I think a lot of people realize. So, um, can you tell us about? I see here in your profile on your Twitter, 
you say you coached the six-time national champion and 23 NCAA D2 All-Americans. Can you tell us exactly the amount of dedication that it takes for an athlete to reach that level? And how? what is your role in that? Yeah, so, you know, I... I certainly love to to brag about Carly Mascaro, who is my six-time national champion. Um, I, I will certainly take some credit because I feel I have to in order to convince kids to, to believe in me. But you know, a lot of it was was her, and, and it's exactly what you said. And same thing with all those All-American awards spread spread between a bunch of individuals. It's it's the dedication, um, and, and I'll use Carly as the example because she is my six-time national champ, and there is no one in the history of this sport, as far as I'm concerned, that was more dedicated that, you know, she lived this sport um, during her collegiate years, you know, never out partying, diet was on point, you know, would wake up and do a morning stretch routine that we, we added in the later years of her college career to, you know, rolling before or after practice, cold, t- lived it. When I say lived it, lived it. Um, and, and you're going to be hard-pressed to find anyone with that level of dedication, but if you looked at Carly, you would say she has no business running the times that she ran. You know, she ran 51.17 for us in the 400, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's unheard of for someone who was running 60 seconds her senior year of, of high school. Um, and, and a lot of that was was her trusting in me and me trusting in her, you know, by – by senior year, I didn't even need to necessarily see Carly at practice. Um, you know, I, I knew that she knew what to do and we were going to get it done. So there's, you know, a lot of people take for granted, I think, that they're naturally fast, um, including professional athletes. You know, Carly's told me some stories, you know, when she's been at, you know, USA's or, or been on some of these professional trips, she's had some really fast roommates or friends or, or she's seen like how they live and, you're talking about elite sprinters that are professional, endorsed by Nike, Adidas, Puma, New Balance, Saucony, whoever, and they're out partying, eating burgers, eating like crap, drinking, you know, doing all these things. And a lot of people justify that by saying, "Well, look, I'm still running these times," mm-hmm. and that drives me crazy because it's, you know, what would you be running if you weren't doing these things and, and you did have that dedication? I can definitely see that, for sure, for sure. Um, so. You talk about the relationship between you and your athletes. How important do you think that is in coaching? I, I mean, another great question. I think it's vital. Um, you know, <clears throat> when I first started coaching, my knowledge of track was, you know, probably similar to you, SK. Like, you probably know a little bit about the hurdles because you're a hurdler. You know, I knew about high jump and, and short sprints because that's what I did. Um, and I, I had a mentor who, who shared all of his workouts and, the most important thing he shared with me was you got to get your athletes to believe in you and you need to build relationships with them because you could have the greatest coach in the world. Um, you know, to me, that's always Clyde Hart. You know, if you want to go to football, of course, I'll say right for SK, Bill Belichick. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who that coach is. If, if the athlete doesn't believe in what they're doing and doesn't believe in the coach, it doesn't matter if it's Bill Belichick or in the tra- it's Clyde Hart. It doesn't matter because it, you're never going to re- reach what you're capable of. So building a genuine relationship with my app, I strive to do, and I can always do better. You know, we have a big roster, um, but, but I think you're never going to reach that level of success if there isn't some sort of bond and you don't know that your coach actually cares about you more so than what you're doing for them on the track. Yes. Uh, and, Co- 
Oh, it's my fault. Excuse me. No, you can go ahead. I just wanted to say that um, no, I definitely agree with what you said, Coach Early, and that's something that really motivated me when um, training under you, spe- specifically about just how caring you are and that relationship that we built together. You know, it keeps me coming back to uh, practice every day, not only because of my goals that I want to accomplish, but also because I have somebody behind me that believes in me. So I, I agree that relationships in coaching is very important. And I appreciate that, SK. And and I'm glad that, you know, we do have the relationship that we can joke around and, you know, bust on each other a little bit. But at the end of the day, we know that we, we have common goals and, and, and we're going to do great yes, stuff. Yes, sir. Um, and Coach Early, I'd also like to um, ask, you know, kind of in regards to that situation of, you know, the relationship with the athletes, um, seeing as that there's a pandemic that's kind of, you know, running rampant around the world, really. Um, how does that affect their, you know, building relationships with your your team and kind of like um, as far as recruiting too? How does it affect building relationships, seeing that we can't be in person a whole whole lot and you know in large quantities? Definitely another great question. Do you prefer Kenny or Kenneth? Uh Kenny, Kenny. Okay, I figured. <laughs> um, great question, Kenny. You know, it's it's been a whirlwind, obviously for everyone. I don't think this there's an area of life or a person on this planet that this hasn't touched or affected in some way. Um, and, and certainly when you think about intercollegiate athletics right now, there's a lot of uncertainties. There's been a lot of shifting and moving. Um, I'd like to say that fortunately for us as a team, you know, not counting the incoming class, but I feel as though we've, we've already built a really good relationship. Um, you know, so that, that, has been something that has been helpful in that um, we, you know, my kids know who I am already. They, they know that, that we're going to make it through this and we're going to figure it out to make it all work and still run really fast. You know, it's, it's more difficult when you talk about the incoming freshmen who are transfer students that, that haven't built that relationship with me or the team yet. Um, recruiting wise, it's been very different. Um, I do, you know, I have a different approach potentially that may have worked in my favor. Um, you know, I do a lot of my recruiting via technology already, you know, uh, phone, text, email, whatever it might be. I'm not a big go to track meets guy and recruit. Now, maybe, you know, we'll get to that point, but you know, with everything going on, that has been an element that most coaches don't even have anymore. So the way I've usually approached recruiting is, kind of how I'm still recruiting. Now, it's different in the sense that it's a lot harder for kids to get transcripts. It's a lot harder for us to get, uh, or some kids didn't even get to take, you know, the SATs or the ACTs. Excuse me, those are things that have become more challenging. Um, And the way this played out has really pushed me to try to get recruiting, not out of the way, you're recruiting all year, It's, it's part of the job, but I would like to recruit heavily uh, early on in the year going forward and not be in a position where, you know, God forbid anything like this happens, but, you, you know, that you're in a position where you have a lot of recruiting left to do and all of a sudden things have moved and shifted into a way that make it a lot more challenging. So I guess that's one thing I'm definitely taking away from this. It hasn't changed too much on how I approach the style of recruiting. I, I like to, you know, build relationships through that way. And then we certainly like to get you on campus when you want to and when you're ready. And we are able to start doing that again now, which is nice. Um, but it might shift 
my timeline a little bit of you know when I focus on certain areas. Sounds good, Coach. So piggybacking off the COVID experience, we want to ask you as well, how specifically, you know, how, what was your reaction? I should say, what was your reaction when you found out that the sport had been canceled at the end of the last spring semester? And how did you feel not only for all of your athletes, but also for your seniors and high school seniors that you were looking at recruiting and such? Yeah. I mean, it's funny that it, to have you ask that because I think one of the most striking memories for me is, is you know, I think you saw my instant reaction. Um, I remember it distinctly. We were, we were at practice. We got word that outdoor nationals had already been canceled and before outdoor had even started, you know, and at that point things weren't as bad as they are now, or there was a lot more unknown. Um, and I was crushed and, and you know, I had a moment of weakness in front of you guys, which I don't like to have. And I remember distinctly, SK, you coming up to me and saying, hey, coach, come on, chin up. You know, we go as you go. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that. And, and it was an important thing. You know, I think it shows the human level to, you know, I'm supposed to be the leader. I do have my moments of, you know, where I let it get to me. I was crushed, you know, and you could see that. And I'm, I'm sure everyone could. And had we still had a season, you know, I would have needed to shake that off and, and say, all right, Nationals is out. We got conference. Let's get back on track. But I was crushed. And, and exactly what you pointed out, I was crushed specifically for our seniors. Um, you know, we had a couple fifth-year seniors in, in Jarrell and obviously in Tony. I felt like the way everyone had been running that year was setting up for an amazing outdoor. And, and that's how I train. I train that we're going to peak in outdoor. We're going to run fast all year long, obviously. But, you know, we put in a lot of we put in, I don't want to, I don't remember the math off the top of my head, maybe 28 of our 36 weeks, whatever it was. And we were just about to really start having fun. And a lot of kids who put in a lot of work were about to see some really fast times. And that's the payoff that keeps you coming back. So it was really difficult. Um, in the later months now is when, you know, like you talked about the seniors in high school is where that's really hitting me. And, and even going into this fall, you know, high school sports are important and and you know people joke you know high school heroes i was a high school hero for sure. um but but it's they're memories you're never going to get back you, you know what i mean and and i think about senior year high school football you know those kinds of things you know hopefully god willing you know track is still there for for everyone this year and we kind of get this thing going but it's it hurts to think about you know what a lot of kids you know going through on the athletic side obviously health and safety is first and foremost the most important um but when you take you know that element out the next thing for me is thinking about kids losing out on, on stuff that they've been working hard for and dreaming about for a long period of time yes sir yes sir and um you know as you said track and field track and field is one of those sports that social distancing and all of the other covid measures are really it's a sport that you really don't need to have a bunch of interaction with other people. So it's something that I, I could see coming back into the year and not having to be canceled or anything like that. However, there are other sports, um, many that are at Coker as well, such as basketball and such, that may not have the same amount of luck coming back as we do. So in your personal opinion, what do you think will happen to um, what, what is your prediction of what's going to happen with the other sports? Specifically talking Coker-wise, since I know you can't speak for the entire NCAA. Yeah, um, I think 
what everyone's tired of hearing, including myself, but it's just reality is I have no idea. Um, you know, we're, we're not in charge of this thing. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic for things to turn in the right direction and us to be able to proceed. Um, but there's always that element in the back of my mind that says, is it feasible? Is it possible? I know here specifically at Coker, the measures they're putting into place, you know, we're doing everything physically possible to not only make it a safe environment, but to make it one in which our kids get the opportunity to do what they love. Um, and, and I'm happy to be in a place that, you know, and a conference that, that is moving forward in that direction. However, we, we don't know, right? Like you said, the NCAA can certainly step in and they've made decisions on certain things. You know, we're seeing a lot of conferences move fall to spring. That is certainly an option. Um, there are some sports, like you said, that, that might be more challenging than, than others. You know, obviously on the cross country side, we think we can go forward pretty safely. Um, but you know, who, who knows when you, you talk about sports like football or sports where people are in close contact all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful, but uh, you know, I don't want to say it, I guess let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so shifting the topic a little bit, um, coach, bring it back to a lighter tone. Um, what, what are the main differences for our viewers or our listeners that don't really know? What are the main differences between a D1, D2, D3, and NAIA, for example? Like, what are the handicaps to each level and what are the benefits to each level as well? Sure. So I can speak a little bit about Division One and Division Two. Um, I started my career at uh, a Division One school at the College of Holy Cross, and then I actually transferred to a Division Two school of, of Merrimack, uh, who's ironically now a Division One school. <laughs> um, and now I'm obviously coaching at a Division Two school. I haven't necessarily had firsthand experience with the Division Three or NAIA, but but I am familiar somewhat. You know, I'll keep it in the sense of track. Um, you know, unless you're talking about Power Five schools, unless you're talking about LSU, you know, Oregon, you know, whoever it might be, the Division One, Two, and Three, and even NAIA, you're competing against the same kids at meets. You know, SK, we go to USC and we see top Division One talent. We see yes. Division Three schools. Yes. We see JUCO. We see high school kids. You know, for track itself, the only thing that's different would be conference and championship level meets. And, and that's my big selling point. I love Division Two. I love Division Two. When you know, when I was at Merrimack, we were in discussions, and it was pretty much known that Division One was coming. And I was against it on you know selfishly on a track side because I loved going to nationals. I loved handing out <laughs> national championship trophies, and, and I loved having all Americans. Right, like that. That's an awesome experience. And when you look at nationals at, at all of the levels that you just mentioned, obviously Division One is, is Division One, but you know Carly was running times that would finish top one, you know, two or three at, at Division One nationals. You know, and you go look at Division Two nationals, and you look at every event. You, you look at Division Three. We we have her right now um, at USC Division Three transfer USA champ, I believe, or was she world champ? Not um, Wadaline, Wadaline, she she was a Division Three athlete at UMass Boston, right? Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a little less familiar with NAIA. I have a couple coaches over there. You go look at their times; they're just as fast. You know, you're you're getting a really good experience. You, you know, the Division Three level, I'll say, uh, they put 
a lot of onus on the academic side. I, I, a lot of schools at every level do, but you know, Division three is big on academics. Um, there aren't athletic scholarships at the Division three level. That's that's obviously a big difference as well. Um, but I think a misconception is that the talent level is drastically different at, at all of these levels, and it's just not reality. Like I said, if you're at some of the top Division one schools, obviously, yeah, we might be into a different discussion, but. You know, you look at the, some of the Division ones around us, SK, we see him at meets, and we see Tony running right by him. So, you know, take that for what it is. Um, I, I can definitely attest to that, the D3 side of things. Um, when you say that there's, um, you know, there's, there's pretty much ballers at any level. Uh, I go to a D3 school in uh, Bridgewater, Virginia. We had a guy named um, – we called him Ray Lewis because he was about as big as Ray Lewis. <laughs> but uh, his name was Ray, and he, was, he came from um, Coastal Carolina. He was a linebacker transfer. But when I tell you this guy could ball, I mean, literally our defense was made around him. Like, imagine him being LeBron in our defense. You know, <laughs> we're, we're game planning, and we're like, you know, Ray, you kind of do what you see fit. We'll kind of conform to you. So I, I agree in the sense that there are ballers, but it's different. Uh, comparing football and track because, you know, track's more of an individualized sport, I would assume. And, you know, it's, it's kind of time-based, whereas football is kind of like, you know, so many moving parts and bodies. So it just it sounds the world's different. And I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful to kind of, you know, hear you talk about it and explain it to me because I had no idea that it was like, you know, not that much disparity and difference between the runners in each, each league. So, yeah, I mean – Certainly, there's, you know, if you look at a big picture on a whole, there's going to be a difference, right, to some degree. But especially in track, you know, the top level at every division is very fast, I guess is the best way to put it. And jumping far and throwing far and all of those things, you know, you know similar to, to your situation. You know, I, I transferred to Division Two Merrimack and played football with a guy who, who played in the NFL and a couple guys that got shots at, at camps in the NFL and, and he, you know, he was kind of our Ray Lewis, uh, and he was an animal, and he could have been playing at, at any one, you know, Division One in the Northeast that that he wanted to, and he ended up on the Colts for I think two or three years, you know, but you know, and the same thing, you there's guys in the league right now who are Division Three, there's guys that that were NAIA, you know, it's just there's athletes at every level. Um, there, there's certainly some differences. I'm not going to go out and say that, that everything's equal by any means. You know, I'd say facilities are obviously a, a big difference when you start getting into that. Um, but that's, you know, there's also Division two, three, and NAIA schools with D1 facilities. So, you know, I, I would, you know, I guess to shift just a little bit of a, a preach to anyone who who's trying to make a decision. And a lot of kids try to chase that D1 dream. I, I personally took the first D1 offer I got because I wanted to brag and, and, and say that I was a Division One athlete. Just do the research, you know, tour the schools, meet with the coaches, or even if you're not an athlete, you know, tour the schools and, and get a real good feel. I tell every recruit, go where you want to go, go where you know is right. I hope that's here. Um, I'd love it for it to be here. We wouldn't recruit you if, if we didn't want you. But at the end of the day, this is some of the most important four years of your life or, or more. And, and it's one of the most important decisions, if not the most important you've made at this point in your life, take the time, do the research. If you do that by the end, you'll know what's right and go there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, I do have another question for you. Um, me and Kenny are both uh, collegiate athletes. So we also know the importance of the grad assistants that are there to help us 
Um, could you speak on your experience with grad assistance and what the NCAA could do to better support the coaching needs? Yeah, so I've had I've been blessed here to have some really good grad assistants. Um, you know, I, I took over a program um, that had one grad assistant still on board, and, and that was Coach Megan. And, um, you know, we only had her for, for a semester, but she helped me out a ton. Um, she, she was a great resource. And then, obviously, I kind of lucked into to Coach Jones and, and Turner Jones. And, you know, I wouldn't have had any of the success I had here if it wasn't for him. And, and it was just a simple matter of I could trust him and, and anything I needed done, he would get it done. And, and he was a great asset. And he was someone who had zero coaching experience, right? And that's what you get a lot of times with grad assistants. Um, you know, I'm, I, I was lucky enough to have Day last year on the jump side. We have Coach Katera coming in this year, SK. Um, <laughs> and, and Coach Jackson is our current distance GA. And, you know, he's, he's going to be huge in us really building on that distance and cross-country side. And he already has been. He, you know, he had the, the, the kids running well last year, but more importantly, he's already brought in some really good studs for our cross side and to help us on the distance end. So I've been blessed here to have some really good assistance. Um, but it is tough. It's tough, and it's not necessarily an NCAA level thing. It's, it's more of a, a school by school. You know, some schools um, have full-time assistants. Some schools have graduate assistants. Um, you know, it, it's... I, every coach is going to think that they deserve more or need more. Obviously, I feel on a track side, we are a big roster with a lot of event-specific um, athletes who, who deserve coaches that know their events. So I'd say one downside to our model is, you know, I can only have so many graduate assistants. Um, that doesn't stop me from getting volunteer assistants, um, but that can be difficult in Hartsville because we're not really surrounded by a lot. So, but there's also benefits. You, you're going to get kids that, that are usually just out of school um, and are going to relate to your athletes a little bit more, if not know them. Um, you're going to get kids that are, are still yeah, high energy. Uh, they might not have the coaching experience yet, but they usually have the, the com competitive side down. Um, and they're going to be like, like Turner. They're going to be willing to work. And, and that's a big plus. Sometimes when you have fully staffed, you know, full-time assistants, they get complacent. Like maybe I did in my last couple of years at Merrimack, right? They get complacent and aren't willing to do as much as the grad assistants who are still hungry. So there's a plus and minus to each side of it. I can see that. I can see that for sure. Um, I want to twist the subject over to a more personal matter, I should say. Uh, definitely what's yeah. been going on in society lately. So it, back in May, you had put out a tweet basically um, praising or embracing, you know, your athletes and everything that black Americans have to go through here in America um, shortly after the death of George Floyd. So I wanted to I wanted you to really speak on that. How are you able to in a black dominated sport like track and field? How have you been so successful in building those relations with your um, athletes, specifically your African American athletes, over the past years? Yeah, I mean it's certainly a very important topic, um, and I'm glad it is. You know, and I'm glad you asked about it because you know I'm in a unique position because I am a, a white male and I'd like to say still kind of a young one, right? I'm a <laughs> guy, but, but I am a, a white male coaching a sport, just as my tweet said, you know, that is, 
especially here at, at Coker specifically, you know, predominantly black Americans. Um, I'm just open and honest. I, I have discussions. I mean, when I gave out that tweet, what did I do, SK? I came to you and I said, is that okay? Like, and, and I think one of the big things people that maybe look like me need to start doing is being willing to, to have these discussions and to answer these questions and to not shy away from it, which, you know, in the past, maybe I did, or, or a lot of people did because it can make you uncomfortable or you're scared of, that you're going to say the wrong thing. Um, but by just being a genuinely good person and building genuine relationships, it's not going to be an issue because I know that you would check me if I said something wrong, or I know that, you know, any Mahari or whoever else, you know, I, build genuine relationships, have discussions. You know, I remember my first year here having discussions with Kaylin Brandon about race um, and, and saying, hey, like asking genuine questions and trying to see a different perspective. You know, like I said in my message, you guys have certainly experienced things that I never have, nor will I ever. Um, and I can't change that, sadly, but I'm going to do everything in my power to, to protect you and to be there for you and, and do anything that you guys need me to do to support the movement and to support you. Um, so I think it's just really important to have these discussions, to be willing to have these discussions, to be willing to make posts or answer questions or whatever it might be. Don't shy away from it. You know, it, it's a real, real issue. And for too long, I think a lot of people didn't want to, you know, pretended it wasn't. And you guys would know much better than I. Um, but be willing to have these discussions. Be willing to, to be educated because that's what a lot of it is, in my opinion, is just ignorance and, and failure to educate yourself on, on issues and on things that maybe don't concern you. A lot of people like to just walk around with blinders and say, that's not my problem. Um, but, but it is. You know, it's all of our problems. We're one country. We, we need to kind of start moving back towards that direction, which obviously right now, you know, I, I don't talk politics or religion, but obviously right now we're, we're not one country and I'd love us to get to a place where we can be. Yes, sir. And I think those conversations are really important. Um, as you said, <clears throat> just being able to come up to you, talk to you, be able to, you know, if you, if something were ignorant to be said, you know, we'd be able to contact you and just have an open, honest conversation. So I'm thankful that you are a not a like you said ignorance is a major part of the world so i'm thankful that you are not a part of the problem but you're trying to be a, a part of the solution and i think i can speak yeah. for the rest of the team when i say that as well and i appreciate that i appreciate that, that you guys support me you know as you know who i am and what i look like leading you um and and that was kind of my message you, you guys trust in me and it's it's my job to, to earn that trust first of all but then to use it responsibly to, to help you guys in, in any issue that comes up in life. And, and I'm glad that you feel that way. And I hope the rest of the team does that they can come to me if there's ever an issue, whatever that issue is. Yes, sir. So I think uh, this will be my final question. If Kenny has any more, then uh, he can ask from there. Um, could you give just a little parting message? One piece of advice you would give athletes uh, around the globe, pretty much what, what is the most important, like just one piece of advice you would give them in if they were trying to make a switch to coll collegiate coaching? Oh, ooh, I threw me for a loop. I didn't know where you were going <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, this business, no matter the sport, um, is all about networking and building relationships. 
you know, my big thing, I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast is building relationships, whether it's with uh, recruits, athletes, or, you know, colleagues. So to get into coaching, uh, obviously you, you need to put in the work, you need to learn whatever sport you want to learn more so than, oh, I played it. So I know it, that's not it at all. You know, I had a national champion in the 400. You would never see me running 400 meters. Um, you know, Marishi just won the triple jump. I wasn't a triple jumper. And a lot of that's coach day. But, you know, learn every aspect as you can, but build as many relationships as you can. Because that's what coaching is really about. Um, it, it's about building relationships and, and networking. And, and that's how, you know, keep grinding. You grind. Coaching is a grind, man. You know, it's not a nine to five, 40 hours a week type of job. It's it's never ending. You know, I'll get calls at 1230, you know, 1 a.m., whatever it is. You know, I'll have recruit meetings. We'll have workouts at 6 a.m., whatever it is. It doesn't stop. So grind, 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 grind. But most importantly, build those relationships. Absolutely. Um, and, Coach, I'd also like to ask, um, staying on the advice kind of side of things, um, how do athletes – I know we're kind of nearing where everything is opening back up and we're going back to school for some some of us, but some of us might not be going back to school. How can athletes um, – mentally stay ready you know to kind of perfect their craft at home with less resources how do we you know go about that as athletes that you know some some of us don't have home gyms and don't have access to you know all the things that we need to or the things that we normally have at school so you know how do we just kind of stay on top of our game at home certainly that's a great question and i found myself you know in that exact same situation i am someone who likes to work out i have not been in the weight room since march um you got to get creative you know you got to get creative whether it's i have you know nailed up some wood on some trees and made my own at home gym where i can do dips pull-ups inverted rows all sorts of stuff you know you know you can curl a gallon of milk you can you know push a car safely hopefully. <laughs> um, you know you you got to get creative. Um, and the people that are, you know, we talked about dedication earlier. The people are dedicated and committed. They'll find a way to get creative. You know, it, it's the kids who, who are maybe complacent that that are going to have a really tough time in this situation. Um, but, you know, I get I get texts from athletes all the time, um, you know, saying they're getting creative or showing ways in which they're getting creative. And I, I love it. You know, it's 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 definitely a unique time. I think the thing to remember is this is short term, not long. We're going to eventually get back there. Um, and, and like you say, Kenny, you want, you want to get back there and still be in shape, right? You don't want to show up. We're all excited that, that sports are back. And then all of a sudden you, you can't even jog a lap without <laughs> being done for the day, which is usually SK. Anyway, so uh, oh, man. Well, um, SK, you got anything else? Anything else, man? Um. Coach, so we, we, I know, I know, me, I know that you're a big a sports fan, you know, yeah. professional sports. So I got to ask, with the NBA coming back today, what are your predictions for the NBA Finals? SK, you already know the answer. Like, what do you mean? It's the Celtics over oh the Lakers. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be amazing watching, you know, the Celtics beat LeBron again. Um, I think we got the, the most young talent in the league. <laughs> Um, you know, Jason Tatum's going to carry us to the promised land and, and then LeBron's going to be heartbroken. I, I feel for him. I, I know he really wanted this one. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I, I get that people are, are going to really try to put an asterisk on a lot of these sports seasons 
to me, it's almost more impressive whoever comes out on top, you know, even if it is that guy down there in L.A. Um, it, it's almost more impressive that thrown into this really unique and difficult and challenging situation, you know, if you, if you can put all that aside and walk away with a championship, to me, I don't think there should be any asterisk on any of these four seasons. Uh, I'm very excited for tonight, beyond excited. I do. I think the Celtics are slept on. I think they, their team chemistry is going to help them. It's going to be tough. Um, I do see the Lakers being there. I don't think there's any way around that. But I, it's a dream situation for me, and I'm going to pretend like that's still going to happen. I think there is a chance. <laughs> I think you would agree there's a slight chance that the Celtics can pull this off. Um, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> Hater. You know, hometowner. So what I hear is that you, you don't agree with the sentiment of this being the Mickey Mouse ring. No, I mean, I... I <laughs> It, it's different and but I mean think about it right if 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 you're used to especially at a high level if you're used to that normal season you're used to your training routine you're used to being with your teammates and then we pick you up we put you on pause for months then we throw you in this bubble where you're away from your loved ones you can't leave you got all these protocols that's a challenge that's a really big challenge and, and the team that's able to overcome that, I do think, is going to be the team with the best team chemistry or maybe the best overall player in the league. Um, but but I think that's going to be a big element of it. When you're not used to practicing like normal, when you have so much that is just so different, you know, to me, I, I don't think we should take anything away from whatever team does walk away. And that goes for all these sports, you know, with just it's it's a real big challenge. Um, I, I agree with Coach Early on that one. I I've always said from the jump, whenever we came out with, or whenever the leagues come out with this bubble idea, that it's kind of like going back to college for these players. Yeah. And everybody knows freshman year is like that year where everything is spending a thousand miles an hour and you don't know how to catch on. So I, I agree with you in the sense that this is honestly a more challenging championship to win than a normal championship would be with normalcy <laughs> in the world. So a hundred percent. I mean, it, I think that analogy was spot on, right? How many freshmen, now there's certainly some, but how many freshmen have their best year, the freshman year, right? There's just so much change, so much different. And like you said, it's just a whirlwind. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I'm just excited for sports, man. I'm excited to, to watch basketball tonight. That's for sure. I, I definitely am too. I think uh, both games are going to be on TNT tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do you do you know the exact time? No free no free ads. Don't be plugging TNT. <laughs> I guess we could just bleep that out, right? <laughs> yeah, edit that. Come on. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's all I had for you, um, Coach Early. Um, Kenny, do you have anything else? No, I don't have anything else, man. Like I said earlier in the podcast, it was just good to kind of listen and get you know the coach's insight and his viewpoint on things. And it, it was good to kind of just soak in the knowledge. So I appreciate you for that. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, and I love what you're doing here. You know, SK, I joke around with you, but like you said, you got to start somewhere, and you know, there's no reason this thing can't take off with you guys. And, and I think, you know, keep keep learning your craft like we talked about and, and keep getting better, and, and I'm excited to watch the journey here. <laughs> Thank you so much for the kind words. You know, that, that's very rare for coming from Coach Early. <laughs> <laughs> Earn, not given. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, boys. You take it easy. I want to thank you guys again for listening to another episode of And Then There Were Two. Um, big shout-outs to Coach uh, Coach Early. You know, great interview there. 
learned a lot of things. Um, and I just really, like I said, I appreciate it. Just being able to listen and take all that kind of stuff in, you know, um, SK, would you like to say anything? Uh, no, I, again, I'd like to thank also Peter early as well for, from Coker university, the illustrious Coker university, I said I had. <laughs> <laughs> but appreciate him for coming on, taking the time out of his busy schedule to, uh, to come be on the small time podcast. And, um, yeah, I wish him the best. Small time now. We're big time in a month or two. Yes, sir. We'll be out here. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, that's been another special episode of And Then There Were Two. Um, tune back in same time next week. Hopefully we'll be discussing, you know, why the Lakers haven't lost the game yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll discuss that. But, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening again, and we'll see you guys next week.